one of us was always there to to catch the other one. And uh, I love the role of trying to have somebody's back. Welcome to the Habit Podcast, conversations with writers about writing. I'm Jonathan Rogers, your host. Buddy Green is a singer-songwriter and a harmonica virtuoso. Jeff Taylor is a virtuoso on the accordion, the tin whistle, the piano, and pretty much any other instrument he puts his hand to. Jeff and Buddy are close friends and musical collaborators who have been making music together in all sorts of settings and in all sorts of costumes for a decade and a half. I invited them to be on Sad Stories Told for Last because I knew they'd have some funny stories, but mostly because I get a lot of joy from being around friends who love each other as much as these two do. Jeff Taylor, Buddy Green, I'm so thankful that y'all are on the Habit Podcast to tell some sad stories told for laughs. <laughs> it's good we got them. <laughs> yes. Uh, for uh, listeners, I know I usually only have one guest. The what, Buddy Green's the one who talks like he's from Macon, Georgia, and Jeff's the one who talks like he's not. Yeah, yeah. I, I sound like I live right down the road from Jonathan. <laughs> That's right. Which I still. I'm a man. I'm yeah. a man with no state anymore. People in New York think I talk like Tennessee, and people in Tennessee think I talk like New York. So. <laughs> Um, That's sad. Yeah. <laughs> you two have been playing together for, I think, Jeff, you told me 15, 16 years, something like that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. 16, something like that. Yeah, I corroborate and I, and that. I have said many times that the worst Buddy Green gig out there is always a great story. <laughs> so no matter what he asked me to do, if my calendar is available, no matter how weird it sounds, I know it's gonna be a blast. And we're gonna we're gonna at some point, even if it hurts a little bit, you know, or maybe if it hurts a lot, that's even a better story. Cause eventually two years later we're gonna be back in the van laughing our tails off. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um uh Jeff, you were you're before we started recording, you're telling me that you are and, and you can't blame this on Buddy, you're playing a show in a pirate costume tonight. Arr. Yes. <laughs> Arr. I am. I'm playing I'm playing a show. It's a it's really a cool show. It's about a ship that Henry the Eighth had built in the fifteen hundreds that went down in fifteen forty five. It sunk. And, in Chattanooga? Uh, uh, yeah. No, <laughs> it's called the Mary Rose. And this brilliant British composer wrote a, uh, a musical on it. And there's a, of course, there's accordion in it because it's a pirate show. And yeah. uh, uh, anyways, it's, it, they, brought the, they brought the boat up in 1982. And now there's a museum to that boat and they've they've got like 19,000 artifacts from the boat but really anyways this is this church down in Chattanooga is doing a show uh on it and uh this is a fantastic choir in this huh. cool band and I get to wear a pirate costume <laughs> so what could be better than that <laughs> do, do uh that should prove to you that Jeff Taylor will do anything for anybody. <laughs> I, used to th- I used to think I was special, but not anymore. <laughs> I, I heard Jeff play um, a couple of weeks ago, and you know, he played his accordion, then he played his tin whistle, then he played the piano. And it doesn't matter what instrument he's playing, he always sounds like Jeff Taylor. 
Which is great. Yeah. Which and is great. He, yeah. Yeah. He plays them all really well. I mean, he's, he's, he's virtuosic on keyboard instruments. And then he's, he's good enough to make everybody else that plays their instrument mad because he, <laughs> he's so proficient. You know, now, I've, so I've fooled a lot of people. Actually, I, we, we've got corporate stories, but I'm going to go ahead and let my one individual story out here just because it's my personal humilitron. Uh, <laughs> years ago, you know, I play in this band called the Time Jumpers, and yeah. we have been over the years nominated for six Grammys, and, and there was one win and five losses. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> So Grammy number three and number four came along, I don't know, 12 years ago or so. And my wife uh, had gone down to get the mail. Now, my wife's the quietest, sweetest person you'll never meet. And <laughs> she went down to get the mail and came back up. And uh, I was in the living room sitting in the recliner being a good husband. And uh, <laughs> she was in the kitchen and she said, Hey honey, your, your dad sent this uh, or your dad's girlfriend up in New York. She sent an article from the local paper and it's about you. And uh, she said, you want to read it? And I said, I literally, I said, no, I said, I'm up to hear an affirmation this week. You know, I get applause for playing wrong notes. <laughs> you work your tail off around here. You never get any applause. I said, just toss it. And, she, and she, her hand started shaking and she came in with this paper and she goes, Oh no, honey, you're going to want to read this. And, and she comes in there and in letters about an inch and a half tall, it, the headline on the paper, little local paper says, former Pembroke graduate fails to win Grammys. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it's one, of, it's one of the few things other than a picture of buddy green and billy graham and and uh cliff barrows and george beverly shea in my office that i'm looking at it's one of the few things that are up in my in my studio and when i start feeling good about myself like the nice things you guys were saying about me i just look at that and i go loser <laughs> Didn't, so, didn't everybody else at Pengrove at Pembroke High fail to win the Grammy too? Actually, they did. They actually <laughs> failed to get nominated. Hello. <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing a whole, your whole graduating class winning the Grammy except you. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only guy that failed. <laughs> oh, thanks for that clarity, Jonathan. <laughs> um. Speaking of costumes, I, I don't remember the details, but Buddy once told me a story about a time y'all put on some kind of costumes at a, on a late night television show. That yes, it was. I don't uh, know how it goes. So there, your turn, Rufus. Okay, it was on the Craig Ferguson show. It wasn't called. It was like late night or something. Late late night with Craig Ferguson or something like that. He's no longer uh, doing that. But anyway, he was th this crazy talk show host, uh, what you would expect in the wee hours of the morning. <laughs> and I got a call one day from his producer uh, saying uh, they, they had seen a YouTube clip of me. And it was okay. I was performing at uh, 
a thing at Carnegie Hall. This thing had gone viral. I'm sorry. Can I interrupt you just a minute? Yeah. My father-in-law sent me that video of you at Carnegie Hall. Had no idea that I knew you. Just said, you'll love this. (laughs) Yes. I've been sent it dozens of times by people going, you'll love this. (laughs) Yeah, I just got out of a van with him. (laughs) I've I've had harmonica players come up to me and say, if if I get that video one more time, I'm going to shoot you and then me. <laughs> but anyway, this producer was obviously impressed enough to call me and say, hey, uh, would you be interested in being on the Craig Ferguson show? And, you know, and I had seen the show and I said, now, explain what you want me to do. And he says, uh, you know, we just want you to come out and kind of be a sort of a mock uh, band. Okay. You know, for the you know, because you know, it was late night. They were notorious about talking about how little budget they had. They didn't, you know, they didn't have a band, didn't have anything. He had a, he had a, his sidekick was a robot. Okay. That that had uh, that only said two or three programmed responses. You know, <laughs> and uh, this is Ed McMahon. Yeah. Yeah, that was, and so I was going to be the band. They, they you know. They were going up, going up in the world, and been, when they been able to hire a harmonica player for their band, so I thought, well, that's crazy, you know. Sure, I'll do it, you know. And and so last minute, I called Jeff, or like the day before, and said, uh, he explained the thing to him. I said, if you got anything to, why don't you just get on a plane with me and go out there and hang with me during this? So he was game. So <laughs> I was supposed to just jam with you in the green room and be your buddy. That's right. That was it. I just needed, you know, I needed security because <laughs> anyway, so there we are in Hollywood uh, at the studios and um, hanging out and we were playing. And so they came in, one of the producers came in and said, and said, uh, you know, introduced himself and all. And I introduced Jeff and I said, by the way, Jeff is a fantastic accordion player. He's just out here hanging out with me. Cause I, you know, I just wanted somebody to hang with and jam with in the room. But if, if you need him, you, if you want two for the price of one, here we are, you know? And mm-hmm. so the guys kind of laughed nervously and said, uh, uh, yeah, okay, well, thanks for that. You know? And then he leaves and, um, but then I guess they heard us through their cameras or something like mm-hmm. that. And then they came in and said, Hey, you know, we've been hearing you. And I think maybe we would like to try you both out, you know, if you're game for that. Said, sure. So, so then it was a matter of, uh, I think we went and did a little sound check on the sound stage, and they got, and we went back in and they said, okay, we're going to send wardrobe around. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy comes in and says, Okay, we're gonna we're gonna kind of put you in some lame jackets, you know. I said, Are you kidding? Okay, sure. And so anyway, they 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 took some measurements and all, and they come back later on, and and Jeff's had these. It almost looked like shag carpet on the lapels. They were, oh, yeah. they were. It was they were, Vegas in its worst in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, and then and then. They were just shiny, I think, shiny blue lame on, on my lapels. And then we had, you know, they gave us, you know, shirts and ties, you know, to wear with it. And so, anyway, we dressed up and we named ourselves Rufus Lame and Fuzzy Lapels. Uh, a great lounge act. If you've never seen it, you really need to come down and, uh, and try the steak while you're there, you know. And anyway, it was... 
we were having so, way too much fun. And uh, we finally, it was like five minutes before taping, and they came and got us and said, okay, we're ready to take you down. And we still had no idea what they wanted us to do. <laughs> so we go down, and, and we're waiting in the wings, and Craig Ferguson shows up, and he's just ebullient and, you know, and, and just so overjoyed to see us. Oh, you guys, I was watching you do your sound check, and this is going to be so much fun. Okay, here's how we're going to open this thing up. So they had, he had a couple of uh, regular props, and one of them was this horse, uh, these two guys in a horse outfit. And then he had... <laughs> was a dwarf involved. He, yeah, he had a, had a small person there. <laughs> and he was dressed in a... In, in, a, in jockey's, a, in a jockey yeah. uniform, yeah. So he said, so, so he said, so anyway, just go in there and can y'all start playing something kind of lively? And so I think we picked Cluck Old Hen or something like that, some old fiddle tune. He says, and I started playing. So, oh, yeah, that's perfect. So you guys are playing Cluck Old Hen. And then the uh, the horse is going to come in and the and, and the jockey's going to be behind him. He's going to be whipping the horse. He's just going to be chasing the horse around. I'm going to be talking to the audience, and we're just going to whip everybody up into a frenzy. You think you can do that? I said, sure, man. Why not? So <laughs> we did it. I think we, we, we did it twice before he was satisfied with the intro, and then we were off and running, and every time, every, you know, every 10 minutes or so, he'd look over there, and he'd go, hey, can we hear a little, uh, uh, you got any gypsy music? And then we'd do so, like – 10 seconds of gypsy and he'd cut us off and go back to his guest and start talking. And, and we uh, played guests on and off and he was reading the letter at one point. I, it started something about the mafia or whatever. I started playing Italian music. And so at the end for me, the, the, the best part of it was that, that, you know, I came out there to be buddy's friend and I had a day off and I wasn't expecting any money, you know, just a, a good meal and a hotel room and a hang with buddy. Well, in the beginning, when they decided to use us, they said, well, we're going to girl comes in with a clipboard and she goes, we're going to pay you for being on here. And so you get sideman pay, which was like 350 bucks. And I thought, wow, that's great. I, you know, now I get a little spending, spending money. And uh, at the end of the show, the same girl shows up and she's got another clipboard and she goes sign this contract and I said I already signed it and she said oh we tore that up she said we're going to pay you both as artists because you were both so fun and wow. I wound up getting paid like 1100 bucks or something yeah, but, yeah. wow oh, yeah. they really did they treated us royal they, they treated very, us fantastic it was great and they put us up in a nice uh you know uh hotel nearby and we <laughs> we had such a good time uh, after it was, you know, they tape about five o'clock in the afternoon. So by, you know, by eight o'clock, we were sitting in a restaurant somewhere and just laughing about the whole episode <laughs> going, oh man, when you, <laughs> we can chalk this up. There's another one. <laughs> All right. I, I, I remember there being some humiliations involved. That just sounds like a triumph from beginning to end. So uh, what do you guys? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think he wants to hear about the beast feast, buddy. Oh, well, hey, hey, well, I let, 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 an old wound. Let me go back and tell, since Jeffro told one on himself, let me tell one <laughs> on myself. Okay. And this, this, there's a guy out there, a good friend of mine. He's like a mentor, a preacher friend, a guy named Steve Brown. And some of your listeners may know about him. He's, mm -hmm. he's been involved in 
radio. He's been, you know, he's pastored. He's Presbyterian guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's been my friend for 30 plus years. Okay. And we've done a lot of things together, a lot of events where he would use me for music. And we were at this thing in West Virginia or something. It was at a big hotel. And so we were in the one of the, one of the um, boardrooms or whatever. And there was maybe 150, 200 people there in attendance. And they were all, you know, over 50. And there were like two or three hapless teenagers there against their will because their parents didn't have any place to put them that weekend, you know, while they went to this Steve Brown conference. <laughs> so, so this was like about the second day. And I, I'd been up several times playing music. Usually the, I'd do something before he would uh, start one of his talks. And so I had finished a song or two and I went out into the, into the uh, hallway to get a cup of coffee. And so I'm out there and here comes one of these teenagers and he's got a headset on and he's walking along and he sees me and he goes, Hey, you're that guy that was up there playing. And I said, yeah. And he says, man, I was watching you. You're really good. I was watching you play guitar and you were like, you know, finger picking and, and man, you played that bluegrass stuff and, man, that was really good. How long have you been playing guitar? And I said, you know, this was, this was 20 years ago or whatever. And I said, I, you know, I guess about you know, 40 years, most of my life, he goes, oh, wow, man, you're, you're awesome on that guitar. And he said, oh, man, that harmonica is like off the charts. I never, I never knew you could do that with a harmonica. How long have you been playing harmonica? And I said, I'm about 30 years or so. He said, oh, man, that, that's so cool, dude. And he goes, and uh, man, those songs, I never heard those songs. Did you write those songs? And I said, yeah, a lot of these I've done. I think, yeah, they're original songs and all. And he goes, man, those are good songs. And he goes, why aren't you successful? <laughs> and, and there was like, you could almost hear the rim shot off of it. <laughs> <laughs> in the wings. <laughs> My head it's had like gotten the question so for Jeff Taylor. Why did you fail to win a Grammy? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But and, and then you know it was so funny because by the time we had gotten to this, a couple of uh, Steve's cohorts had walked over to hear this whole thing, and they were watching my head swell in the pride and <laughs> you know, admiration that I was impressing a young a youngster, you know. Yeah. And, and then they just hit the floor laughing when they saw me deflate. <laughs> <laughs> um well yeah go ahead jeff <laughs> well that reminded me of your story of your daughters in at mount herman that's also <laughs> oh yeah one of those moments yeah that was when uh mount herman is a christian uh family camp and conference center out in, in california and I've, I've been out there every year to do concerts and participate in camps and all for you know 25 or 30 years. And early on when my kids were young, it was maybe the second year we'd gone out there. And Georgiana, my youngest, who was about four at the time, we were walking around. Uh, we'd just gotten there and we we're walking around the campus and people were coming up to me. They had seen me from the year before and they were like, oh, we're so glad you're back. Uh, you know, you're the reason we came back. And they were just like, you know, again, just blowing me up with <laughs> pride and I'm walking around. So, you know, Georgiana's watching this whole thing. And, you know, this, by this time, she really had not noticed anything special about her dad. You know, I, w- I was no different than any other dad. Yeah, right. And so finally, at one point, she goes, 
Now, now, Georgiana's four, and that means Aaron was about nine at the time, much more worldly wise by this time. So we're all walking as a family, and I've gotten two or three of these great, just uh, overflowing compliments from people. And Georgiana goes, Dad, are you famous? And without missing a beat, Aaron goes, yeah, but just with old people. <laughs> <laughs> so that one didn't. That's that's sort of a that's sort of a running byline in my life. You know, I get set up to get knocked down. That that's been the <laughs> y'all. Uh, much of the time are in your performing life, you're sidemen, right? I mean, not. I know, buddy. Sometimes I, I know you're not always a sideman. Jeff, are, are you are you always accompanying somebody else when you perform? Yeah, buddies. Buddy's my favorite lead singer to play with. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff is always uh, making yeah, somebody I, look better than they are is what yeah, he's doing. I, I absolutely love the role of being a side man. And it's, it's all I wanted to be when I came down here and I, I'm, and that's what I am. And I love, I love being the support guy and the thing we're working with buddy has been unique in the sense that I've always been treated as like a, a, a duo partner when we're there, we're up there. And like from the beginning, if he was tuning his guitar, he took advantage of the fact that he's up there with it, with a, uh, an unashamed extrovert who's not afraid to tell a story or a joke or whatever. Yeah. And until he gets his guitar tuned, and somehow that established this thing where where we became I don't know our corporate personality became so much fun on stage yeah. and like after a show the the compliment that I used to love hearing because you know we're in we're Nashville musicians everybody who's working is a great player yeah so we don't need to hear that we're great players we better be really good uh, or we're not going to be working but what we what i'd way rather hear is you guys look like you're having the time of your life up mm-hmm. there where you guys look like you like each other yeah uh and and you can't that that is something that you cannot manufacture uh, yeah. uh you can put five of the best musicians in the world together and put them on stage together and unless they have some of what buddy and I have or what some of the other people that he works with, he has with, and I have with the other yeah. people, unless you have that thing, uh, you're going to be bored within 10 minutes. <laughs> I don't care how good a player they are. Uh, yeah. cause it's, it's not going to read yeah. that people, people need to, uh, I feel like we're, when we're out there, you know, it's about the relationship. And as a side man, it's a dream to be able to, to actually bring your, uh, be allowed to bring your personality into a performance with somebody as opposed to just literally being, you know, on the side doing your thing. Yeah. Jeff, how did you, do you even, can you even put words to how you knew you wanted to be, um, a side man instead of the uh, a front man when you started your music career. I mean, I, oh heck, I heard myself sing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right, yeah. But I you mean, you uh, didn't. So you yeah. didn't dream of a situation where the accordion player uh, could be the the main character of a of a of a band. 
Well, uh, no, but I, I'm actually in that situation now where, where I have I have a band with three accordion players <laughs> and, and a rhythm section. We're called Toby's House, and we're kind of the antithesis of Weird Al Yankovic, where we're doing Chicago and Blood, Sweat, and Tears and Queen and Toto wow. and Sinatra and Star Wars, but we're doing them seriously, you know, yeah. with our instruments, and just like Buddy did at, at Carnegie Hall. I mean, yeah. what he did at Carnegie Hall was what might be funny to some people, but most people are going, how the heck does he do that? He's playing Bach and, and, and uh, he's playing these classical composers yeah. <laughs> on a harmonica that's this big. Yeah, right. And making all the notes. So uh, there's, a, there's a balance between, especially with our instruments, mm -hmm. uh, they're joke instruments to begin with to some degree. Uh, yeah. Especially yeah, yeah. accordion. Yeah, they both belong in Far Side cartoons, you know. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I do love the way when 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 you two play together, it's really obvious that friendship is one of the great forces of creativity. You know, and that's that's yeah. very clear when I see y'all do your thing. Well, thanks. You know, it it really has been. Um, a real blessing to travel with a friend as close as, um, as Jeffro. We're, and it was, it was never forced. I mean, we got along famously from the first time we met, uh, which was in the studio. I'd hired Jeff to come in and play on a hymns project I was working on because I, I just knew I wanted accordion on a few things. I went down to see the time jumpers play and heard him. And I went, that's the guy, you know, and, hired him for the session. He came in and it was, you know, three hours of us just, <laughs> just really becoming fast friends right off the bat. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, within a week or two, I was thinking, I got to get figure out a way to get this guy to come play some mm -hmm. gigs with me. And he was so busy in town. It took us six months before we finally did do a gig together. And then, uh, once we figured that out, then I would call him every time I got, um, got an engagement to see if he he could come and and before long he was figuring out ways to make room for me in his life very busy life and it, you're right it has just been it's always been fun on that stage I, I i can't i really can't think of a single time when we were mad at each other or just going through the motions or any of that it was like I mean, there were times when we were just like oh, gosh i cannot believe how hard this kick is but we was to make the most of it you know we've leaned on each other really hard and it's been amazing how how i feel like there's been times when you really needed to lean on me and there was times when yeah. i really needed to lean on you like you know like forgetting words and 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 me going off the page on whatever and but one of us was always there to to catch the other one and yeah. uh I, I don't know. I have, I have loved that. And I have loved, uh, I, I have loved the role of trying to have somebody's back. And, you know, the one funny story that comes to mind <laughs> was when we were playing the skirmer horn and I don't know how I found out, but you had left your harmonica backstage. You had, we had just done married. <laughs> did you know? And you left your harmonica backstage and we're there in front of the city 
and and I realized it or you signaled to me somehow and it was as far as it could possibly be and I left the piano and you know it's like it he was <laughs> so like an Olympic sprinter and I left the piano and I ran through this corridor and that corridor and that corridor finally got up to our dressing room I dug out your C harmonica and your marine band and I raced back through those hallways just as they were announcing that you were going to do the the classical medley, and I I got up behind. He had his hand behind his back, snuck <laughs> up behind his back, and slipped his harmonica to him, and then slipped back to the piano or oh, grab my accordion. <laughs> I was like, "Wow, this guy lost is lost on the audience." <laughs> that was one of the first times that I realized that that uh, Jeff Rowe was worth his weight in gold. <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of times these sad stories told for laughs, I'm hearing about uh, funny and strange venues. What, what are some strange venues y'all have played together? Oh, come on, tell it, buddy. <laughs> well, which one? Which one are you thinking of? Well, I mean, either the Indian Ocean or the, the Beast Feast. <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah, the Beast Feast. Those, the those both qualify. All right, let's talk about the Indian Ocean first. That we this was another thing that came from that uh from that uh Carnegie Hall video. This guy from from uh Reunion Island, which is in in the Indian Ocean east of Madagascar. Okay. And uh he's which it's a French for, a former French possession. So this guy's it was a Frenchman, his name was Blanc Blanc, which means which means <laughs> white white. white. <laughs> you know, but anyway, Blanc Blanc. Uh, he emails me and, you know, re refers to the video he's seen. And he says, hey, I, we, I've been doing a, um, a festival of instrumental virtuosos for, you know, 10 years. Uh, it's an annual event, big, big thing here on Reunion Island. And um, I was just wondering, I've only seen this one clip. Would you or are you able to do 45 minutes of instrumental music? So I text him back and I go, well, you know, I can play. I've done a lot of instrumental music as a professional, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm really a sort of a singer songwriter and, and I do instrumental music as well. I said, but I could probably come up with 45 minutes or so. He says, well, great. Would you like to be a part of this festival? And, and I'm thinking, okay. So I do a little more research on where Reunion Island is. And it's like going to Australia or something. I mean, it's so yeah. you have to fly through Paris and then fly another 12 hours. Yeah, it's like two days to get there. Two days, yeah. So, you know, I, I hit him with, with what I think is a highball figure, which will hopefully make him go away. And he, he says, okay, well, come on. Uh, we'd love to have you. And you'll be one of four artists who are part of this festival. And we travel to different venues around the island. And, um, you know, other than two days getting there, two days getting back, and a lot of foreboding uh, on the way over going, what have we gotten ourselves into? It turned out to be delightful. There was a, they had a string section for us to play with. And if we wanted to, we were with some incredible musicians. Uh, there was a pianist from uh, Russia. Russia. Valentina uh, Lasitska. Yeah. Amazing virtuoso on the piano and world renowned. I'd seen her play before at a, at a, at a, classical music festival once. And then there was a, um, 
a great guitar player from Sweden, I believe, some some Scandinavian right. country. He was, yeah. and he was phenomenal too. A uh, really great instrumental guitar player, and then a Russian <laughs> balalaika player. <laughs> this guy, he looked like Harpo Marx. He looked like Harpo Marx. <laughs> he played like Jimi Hendrix on a balalaika. His name, I got his name. His name was Alexei Arkhipovsky, I think. Okay. Archipovsky, yeah. Archipovsky. Anyway, fantastic musician. And he just sat there with a, with a three-stringed balalaika and was amazing virtuoso and could just keep an audience spellbound. So, and then, and then here we were, you know, uh, like I said, <laughs> refugees from a far side cartoon. We uh, renamed the festival in, in our, on our own, uh, the festival of virtuosos and Rufus and Jeffro. <laughs> <laughs> but we actually, we just had a ball. We had a really great time. It was good camaraderie with everybody involved. And, uh, you know, a they lot had of us play last every night. Wow. Yeah. They had us play last every night because that it was like the fun factor that we brought. That was really uh-huh. like the comedic relief, apparently. Well, as a matter of fact, they, they brought us in. A, the guy did some more research on us, and he said, uh, he said, oh, I see that you're really, you know, you're capable of, of doing, you know, your own sort of concert on your own. So, hey, would you like me to bring you in a day early so you could do a concert doing what you normally do? I said, that'd be great. So he arranged for us to play at a little 200-seat uh, theater and filled it up with people. We had a great time. And at the end of that night, uh, when he'd seen us sort of do our thing, he said, Hey, I want to end the festival with you guys every night because mm. you know, y'all know how to entertain, <laughs> entertain a bunch of people. You're not just some dry instrumentalist sitting up there. And, uh, so we said, okay, well, if you know, it's your gig, if you want us to do it. Okay. And we ended up having a blast. And by the end of the, I think by the fourth, um, the, the fourth concert we did, the last one, we were, we would end every, or every night we would do, oh, oh, and the other thing he said, and I'll let you sing one song. Oh, yeah. And it was around Easter time, I think. Yeah, it was. And it was Easter week. So it was like, there's a lot of Catholics on the island. So we, I thought, well, he wrote Mary, did you know? No brainer. So, <laughs> so we suggested that song. He said, oh yeah, I heard that last night. I said, well, you know, it's, it's kind of well known. Maybe a few people even recognize it. And so, so every night we would we would do "Mary, Did You Know" as a part of our program. And um, yeah, and I had a string arrangement for it that I did huh? for those. Yeah. yeah. And by the last night, we had all the other artists playing along with us, and hmm. so it was, it was really pretty wonderful the way all these sort of things started coming together to turn this you know our foreboding into yeah. just a really joyous memory. Huh? Yeah, great time. That's great. However, I, I called y'all for stories of humiliation and I oh, keep yeah. getting stories of, you know, glory <laughs> leading to further glory. Okay. Now so, we turn so to the that thing that, that, that takes us down into the, the pits. I mean, so the idea here is take us down into the, 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 the pit of humiliation and then okay. go there, buddy. Come back go to there. the other uh-huh. side. All right. So let's turn to the beast feast. Okay. I get a call from Wes Yoder one day. He's, booked me for years and years great friend and he says hey how would you like to go to a beast feast i'm thinking man what is that and he says yeah this is a church and i'll I'll just leave things unnamed the community the church all that unnamed but anyway this is a place and uh let's say they're out in a little more rural part of the world and they were saying you know they they want to have a beast feast so i'm thinking what are they going to 
bring a lot of wild game they've shot and cook it. And, you know, and, and it was a father son event. And he said, yeah, there's big church. They're going to have about 2000 people at this thing, fathers with their sons. And I'm, so I'm thinking they're going to have, you know, um, uh, you know, I, I, I just was thinking all these exotic thoughts about what a beast feast could be. And uh, he said, well, you guys just, if you're willing to get on board, you know, they were paying as well, all this. I said, okay, all right, we'll go. So on the way over, we're learning hunting songs in the car. We're trying to figure out how we can be relevant to this group because <laughs> I, you know, I'm no hunter. I don't do yeah. any of that. You know, anyway, we, when we get there, we find out that the only beast they're cooking is pig. They're just having a big barbecue. Okay. And there are about 2000 people there and they've got all these booths set up where they're selling, you know, camo and, and, um, it's in like a big uh, warehouse. Where yeah, it's in a built. huge, huge warehouse. They had rented. Bagos this and I don't know. They had a praise band there to provide most of the music and they wanted us to be, you know, the quote unquote special music. Okay. And how that worked out is that they would at various times when they, we found out whenever they wanted to transition from one thing to another, mm-hmm. like, okay, it's time to get up and, and everybody get in line to go get their meal. Then they wanted us to come out and play basically while nobody's listening <laughs> while everybody's getting up and just going and shuffling through there, making all this noise. So <laughs> you hear 2000 chairs, like metal <laughs> chairs squeaking <laughs> as they moved on a concrete floor in a, in a, a cavernous warehouse. And, and, and then they're all talking amongst themselves. Come on, boys, let's go to hunting. <laughs> so we do this three or four times and get ignored, you know, through every one of these. Nobody knows who we are, anything. It's just like, oh my gosh, just hang on. It'll be over sooner or later. And so finally we go, we take our seat. Because, oh, no, I got it. So the big, one of the big, things that they really went crazy over was this guy showed up with an attack dog. Like he had a, like a German shepherd that would, and he had his, you know, his left arm wrapped in tape and all this stuff. And, the, and he would go, huh, something, he'd give some signal to the dog and the dog would attack him. And, and, and they would just like, it was like a blood sport. I mean, these, this crowd would just go nuts over them. So at one point, I leaned over and said, boy, this is going to be a new one for the resume, Jeff Rowe. We've opened for an attack dog. You know? Then the balloon guy got up. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it, it was time for the, for the young folks, for the, for, the, for, the, for the sons to be taken away with the youth leader. And this guy shows up. And I'm not kidding. He looked just like Jack Black. <laughs> and, and he was wired just like Jack Black. And uh-huh. he gets up there and he's got a leaf blower. Um, you know, you know, a, a, a gasoline engine leaf mower blower. And he, so he huts up the stage. Hey everybody, hey, we're going to have so much fun today. Um, just give you a little, uh, a little taste of what we're going to be doing. And then all this just really loud metal rock music just starts pounding through the speakers and he fires, uh, um, he fires up. No, I'm sorry. He takes out this balloon. It's deflated balloon. That's, you know, probably four feet long, huge, four feet and deflated. He put, and he puts it on the end of the, of the leaf blower on the nozzle of the leaf blower. And then he fires up the leaf blower and this thing starts inflating and it, and it gets to be like a, 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 a diameter of about six feet, you know? Wow. And then he, he 
puts down the leaf blower. He takes this thing. It's all inflated. He puts it on his head. <laughs> and so he's got this huge balloon on top of his head. Now it's about six feet up over him. And then everybody's just like going, they're going nuts. They're going crazy, <laughs> clapping their hands off. And then he pulls it down over his head. Now his head's in the balloon. And they go, they go crazy again. And then, then he sticks one of his arms up into the balloon. And then, then he sticks the other arm up in there. And he, slowly he starts working this balloon down over his whole body. And finally he's inside the balloon. <laughs> and, you know, you can sort of still see him in there and all. And then he starts pulling out other balloons out of his pocket <laughs> and starts blowing them up and making balloon animals and things out of them, you know. And they're just going crazy. Every, everything he does just keeps adding to the fervor, you know. And, and so, and then the last, his last finale was he blows up these two balloons and he ties them together and he holds it up and they're making a cross and he holds them up. And everybody in the room just starts praising God, clapping their hands, raising their hands and all. And I leaned over, I mean, by this time, Jeff and I are looking at each other. We're just like, where are we? What is going on, you know? <laughs> And so then he pops the big balloon, leads all the kids off, and the, we're left with the old guys, you know, with the fathers and all, and ourselves, and we sit there, and then they bring out the speaker. And the speaker was a, he was a, uh, he was a. It was a big game hunter, but the guy who hired us, and he said, now, they, they think he's a big game hunter, and he is, but he's really a preacher. <laughs> no, it was like a bait and switch. You know? And the guy was really proud that he had pulled this off. And so the guy gets up there and you know tells this whole story being in Africa, this hunt, and 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 he had what I called religious Tourette's. He would be telling a story and you know, all of a sudden he goes, That's just like Satan, like a lion roaring. <laughs> you know. And at that point, I'm passing buddy notes like call security, and uh, <laughs> and so then at the end, the 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 guy looks at buddy, the, the guy who hired us, and and he told him <laughs> he was gonna tell him what he said. Oh yeah, he this actually was the he was the final humiliation. Yeah, he was he was kind of in the wings over there, and he motioned to us to come. You know, so we get out of our chairs and walk over stealthily to the side of the stage and. He, he has us back behind the curtain and he just says, all right, he's wrapping things up now. So uh, can you guys go back up there with me cause, and just start playing something kind of soft, like, you know, instrumental on your, you just play like softly and tenderly. And I said, yeah, I guess we could do that. And he goes, yeah, good. I want you, while y'all are doing that, I'm going to be pulling in the net. And I'm like pulling in the net. He says, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be pulling the net now because he's got them all ready, and I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is the most manipulative thing I've ever seen in my life, and uh, so we're like, well, okay, so we go out there and we start playing, you know, softly and tenderly, and 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 they do their, you know, invitation, whatever you call it, and um, and it was really they were passing out these cards that were. <laughs> get them to sign up and give them all their information so, so they could get them on the mailing list. And, and if you signed up, if you didn't sign up, you didn't have a chance to win the trip to Africa or <laughs> the four-wheeler. It would give it away a four-wheeler and a trip to Africa. And if you, and if you gave them your information, you had a chance to win that. So that, 
the whole thing was like the most manipulative thing we'd ever seen in our lives. And, you know, we're looking at, well, we did bring enough CDs to sell to 2000 men. And uh, you can tell them about that. Yeah. So finally this thing was mercifully over and, you know, we go over to the table and it's all still there. Everything that we brought is still there except for one CD, Everything. which the guy who hired us just felt so bad that he, he bought one CD. So, and then he hands me my check and says, well, you guys did a great job. Thanks for coming, you know? And so we pack up and all. So yeah, that was about as low as it ever got right there, I think. But, but it, like, you know, it's still a good story. It's, it is a good story. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad y'all had each other through that. You know, that, that would have been pretty painful to be doing that on your own, you know? Oh, gosh. You know, yeah, and to think, am I the crazy one here? Right. The, the day we had to drive back, we were, we were, you know, over in Arkansas, and we had to drive back to, um, to Nashville to get back in time to do a, a, a thing at the Bluebird Cafe. And I've never felt so good to be. <laughs> it, oh, that was a purge. It was, it was, it felt like, uh, it felt like I was going to church, to real church <laughs> when we went to the Bluebird Cafe. <laughs> oh man, I was just so glad to just be among normal people again. Yeah. Well, um, <laughs> boy, that's a downer. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we, 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 did laugh. we did laugh and that was the, uh, Oh yeah. In fact, it, uh, yeah, I know, you know, probably took us, it took us several weeks before th that was just a dark experience for us, you know, but finally we could laugh at it. Oh, you're so sensitive. I was laughing the next day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, with that, uh, thank you so much for being here, buddy and Jeff. Y'all are great. It's y'all bring a lot of joy to the world and you brought me a lot of joy. I love seeing you do what you do. Thank and, you, Jonathan. And thank you for, for your, thank you this much time. So thanks. It's always great to be with you, brother. And I, I love these podcasts. I've been listening to uh, several of them that you've done. It's some great stuff. So thanks for having us. I got to drive to Chattanooga today. I'm going to download one of them. What, what, what's the, what's the, the thing that I, where do I go? Uh, podcast yeah the the habit the, the habit, habit the habit yeah um and are you going to be wearing your are you gonna put in your pirate costume after you get to chattanooga or are you gonna drive in it oh i'll send you a picture <laughs> okay. oh I, I yeah i might drive in it yeah please do <laughs> no my three-cornered hat is down at the gig unfortunately that's too bad <laughs> we can still do the, the bandana you know there, there there's actually a video on youtube um of Jeff and I and our good friend Trisha Walker playing at a Christmas gig someplace, and right at the last minute, we're about to do a uh, a fiddle medley, and at the last minute, Jeff pulls out. None of us knew saw this coming, but he pulled out a what kind of hat was that? It was like one of Sa Santa's elves kind of oh, hat yeah. he had, <laughs> and he he threw that thing on. We, we could hardly play. We were laughing so hard. Uh, <laughs> And then it didn't stop there. He, he kept bringing it all through the. <laughs> so, yeah, this man is notorious for costumes and off, off the cuff remarks. So. Oh, yeah, I did. I did. I still have the toupee that Mike Card gave me. And I, I put it I put it on underneath my hat at Lady Lodge once. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> and Buddy didn't know that I had him. And he turned around to look at me, and I'd, I'd uh, pulled my cap up, and there was some hair hanging down there, and I took my hat off. It was like this bad preacher too bad. Thank Ernest Angler or something, man. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll Enough. talk to you guys later. All right. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by The Rabbit Room, where art nourishes community and community nourishes art. And all our podcasts are made possible by the generous support of our members. To learn more about us, visit rabbitroom.com. And to become a member, rabbitroom.com slash donate. Special thanks as well to Taylor Linhart for letting us use her song Diamonds as the theme music for season three of The Habit Podcast. You can learn more about Taylor and follow her work at taylorlinhart.com. The Habit Membership is a library of resources for writers by me, Jonathan Rogers. More importantly, The Habit is a hub of community where like-minded writers gather to discuss their work and give each other a little more courage. Find out more at thehabit.co.